there were many Super Bowl ads that I watched this year where for, for 90 seconds I had no idea what it was and then it was like a, hey, we needed to fool you and talk about this so that we could get your attention till the very end. And, and I, don't, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that that's a, that's a good form of marketing or advertising. Welcome to the Bright Ideas Podcast, where we discuss how brands build relationships with consumers and society through innovation, technology, and marketing. Bright Ideas is produced by the Center on Global Brand Leadership at Columbia Business School. I'm Matthew Quint, Director of the Center on Global Brand Leadership. And I'm JP Kuhlwein, Adjunct Faculty here at the school and Principal at Uber Brands Consulting. Bright Ideas is sponsored by Lexicon Branding, a specialized consulting firm that develops inspiring brand names and brand architectures for both the Fortune 500 and today's innovative startups. And Kogan Page, an independent, award-winning publisher that delivers best practices and innovative thinking from global experts across every key business subject. Well, it was a delight for this episode to be speaking with Musa Tariq, the relatively new chief marketing officer at GoFundMe, just begun this at the start of this year in 2021. Well, to talking about somebody who lines up uh, kind of the most uh, famous brands in his <laughs> curriculum vitae there, Airbnb previously, Ford, uh, Apple, Nike, you name it. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear him uh, reflect on how he's uh, thinking even more now about not being just a collection of the great brands that he's worked for. And his words in the interview will demonstrate that he is not. Yeah, but clearly, I mean, he has benefited from this very broad exposure from working at fashion Burberry's to, you know, all the way to Ford, uh, kind of a, a very technical kind of functionality driven company. It, it, it really comes through. Yeah, so great background. And uh, of course, you uh, had trouble passing on the mic to me a little bit in the interview process for this one, JP. So sorry, so sorry, Matthew. But, uh, you know, it really excited me that um, Musa really picked up uh, or, or truly believes, I should say, in this idea that a brand begins and ends with kind of the fundamental connect between its DNA and the human truths, kind of uh, 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 the, the motivations and the mission that is truly at the center of this brand. So, so that felt great to get independent confirmation again of this idea of dream do dare that we've talked about a couple of times. Yeah, following right. It was a, a good alignment with your brand elevation uh, book and its themes this time around. And we didn't script it. We didn't script it. <laughs> no, we did not. So uh, should we go ahead and listen to the interview, JP? Sure. Let's go and jump right in. Thank you for having me. I don't know if you guys ever played the TV ad game. And maybe it was just me, but like I used to sit there with my sister. We used to watch ads and the first person who could name the brand would win. And I was awful at everything else. Like I was awful at sports. I was awful at cooking, reading, school. But like I knew this game inside out. Like I could I could see a a tone and, and I could hear a tone. I could hear see a font. I could see a color. And I'd be like, that's HSBC or that's Coca-Cola. And like I would get it. And that fascinated me. So I started my career in advertising. Um, and as you mentioned, have had worked, have worked at some of the best brands and, and still do work at some of the best brands in the world. But honestly, uh, 
the truth of the matter is, is at one point in my life, I realized that actually my identity was becoming the companies I'd worked at. Oh, this is Musa. He's worked at Nike, Apple, and Burberry. This is Musa. He's worked at Nike and Apple and Burberry. <laughs> and and I realized, you know, it was only until very recently that I realized that I want to be more than that. Uh, I want to be more than just the brands I've worked at. Um, but at the same time, JP, to answer your question, like I feel incredibly privileged. I've had some of, I've worked at some of the best companies in the world. I've been on the inside of learning how to launch an iPhone. I've sold trench coats. I've um, sold F-150s uh, trucks, which is the number one selling vehicle uh, in, in America. And so it's been really amazing to learn from some of these people. Um, and, you know, you'll appreciate this. People who, people who do an MBA at Harvard talk about it for the rest of their lives, right? Uh, they mention it in every single conversation. It's a bit like being vegan or having gone to Burning Man. Like you have to bring it up in every conversation. And really, it's only a two-year course. Whereas, you know, I've had the opportunity of being at Nike, Apple, Burberry for two to three years in some instances, which is not a long period of time, but it's actually been enough to give me some of the insight into some of the greatest marketing and, and, and product companies in the world. And so very excited today to be able to, to take that and apply it to GoFundMe. And you seem to have a, a nose for great advertising, because I guess if, if you can sniff out a brand in the first couple of seconds of an ad of whatever kind, those are usually good advertisers too, right? The way I've learned marketing is to apply real life relationships uh, with people and, and apply that same thinking to the relationships I want to build with brands and their customers. And so what I mean by, and what in, in the example that you made just now, for example, when you meet, you know, when you meet Matt, Every time you bump into Matt, like, you know within the first second that it's Matt because of the way that he's talking, the way that he's walking, the way that he looks. Like, if he came, if he walked at you in a different way than he normally does or he was speaking in a different accent or you had a different haircut, you would notice that immediately, right? And so, if anything, you'd actually start to lose trust in that every time you saw him, something was different about him. Um, and so I feel the same way about brands and people is that, like, They, brands really need to try and be consistent when they show up in their in communication with people uh, because that's how you build trust. Consistency builds trust. And, and so the best brands in the world are consistent with the way they show up, uh, consistent with the way they talk to people. And they're not trying to trick people, JP. To your point, right? Like an exact example, like there were many Super Bowl ads that I watched this year where for, for 90 seconds I had no idea what it was. And then it was like, a, hey, we needed to fool you and talk about this so that we could get your attention till the very end. And and I don't I don't believe in that. I don't believe that that's a that's a good form of marketing or advertising. What inspired you to take the opportunity at GoFundMe and uh, how are you thinking about the brand initially in your first few months there? You know, with this this one I was really cautious about trying to find a role that I I, I thought would not only be impactful but help people. And, you know, I was in an interesting situation. I, I was in a fortunate situation where I had three opportunities in front of me. Uh, it was close to Christmas Day. And very last minute, Adam Bain, who's a mentor of mine, said, hey, listen, you should speak to Tim Cadogan, who's the CEO at GoFundMe. And I genuinely, if I'm being brutally honest, I was like, cool, I'll just have a chat with him. It's not a company that I thought I'd work at and so on. And so seconds before I jump on the call with Tim, I realized that I have zero thoughts on this brand 
and and why why that is interesting is I'm one of those people that like loves brands and marketing, so I could talk about any brand for any period of time. But I genuinely hadn't thought about the GoFundMe brand, and I was I was like, hold on, I've used it ten times this last year, but I couldn't tell you what the brand stands for, what I think about the brand. I literally probably haven't given it a second worth of thought. And so I jumped on the call with Tim, and Tim is talking, and he, he's an incredibly articulate thoughtful human being and he's talking about GoFundMe and about you know two minutes in I stop him and I go Tim can I just share something with you and he said sure and I said well listen I believe that the greatest brands in the world uh, depend on an inherent survey inherent human truth and so for example the behind me my sneakers like Nike the inherent human truth that Nike serves is that people want to get better right that is a inherent human truth whatever age you are whoever you are in your life you want to get better and so what nike does is they serve you that they serve you a product that inherently tells you that potentially you can get better so i get a pair of shoes i feel i can run slightly faster i get a pair of uh, apparel and i feel like i can uh, perform better and that's what nike serves i realized very quickly in that conversation with tim that gofundme does an incredible job of living up to two inherent human truths. The first is that people need help. From the day you were born, you need help. You need the support of someone to feed you, to dress you, to teach you how to walk, to teach you how to talk. Like if you as a human being are born with no support around you, you will not make it through uh, the first couple of years, right? And then throughout your life, you need help. No one can live in total isolation. So needing help is an inherent human truth. The second is, is that people want to help each other. Um, you know, if, if, if we were all in a room together and I dropped a pen, the first thing you would instinctively do is lean down and pick it up uh, or, or try and help me or want to ask for help. And so what Nike, what GoFundMe does is it serves these two inherent truths on both sides of the marketplace. On one side, it provides a safe space for people to ask for help. And on the other side, it makes it an easy place for people who want to help to help others. And I was just sitting there going, wow, like, this is incredible. This is a brand that is serving in a product that serves two inherent human truths. And they don't talk about that. Um, they have been a platform for so long. And it actually reminded me of, of Airbnb five years ago. Five years ago, actually, like a lot of technology brands, Airbnb was a utility. And five years ago, any, well, actually, there's a there's a bit of brand research that was done seven years ago that suggested that the brands that people love are brands that provide people with utility. Uh, they are brands that make your life easier. But what's happened over time is that a lot of brands now provide utility. Ne nearly all tech companies provide utility, and it's not the reason people love them anymore. And what Airbnb did, for example, is they went from a platform where you could go and find a place to live and stay to a platform that encouraged belonging and encourage this idea of living like a local. And so I think GoFundMe is right for going from being a platform and a utility to becoming a brand because, and I, I promise I'll shut up now, but this is what gets me most excited, is that we are a storytelling platform. And, and that sounds like a douchey marketing thing to say, uh, but we really are. Every, it is. Every, every, yeah, it is a douchey marketing thing to say, but, but, but call, I, call me out. Every single GoFundMe is a story. Um, like every single GoFundMe that is created is a story about someone. Someone who is either needs help 
to fulfill a need or someone who needs help to fulfill a dream. And that makes it an right. incredibly because powerful platform. I'll stop you right there because this is almost scripted. But I assure the reader we have not scripted this, okay? Because you talk about the dream, you talk about going beyond kind of the, the functional material, etc., whether you're a software or your physical good and, and to kind of look for the deeper meaning or kind of the fundamental human truth uh, or motivation in a brand. Um, we, we're talking here about a concept of brand elevation. I teach that at, at Columbia. Uh, I've written a book about it with, with a friend of mine, Wolfgang Schäfer, and we talk about three phases of elevating a brand. The first phase is actually called dream. It's about the dream. And you beautifully summarized half of it already, if not more. And then do, which is about the action, and dare. So I wanted to go through these three. I think you already did a fantastic job of the, of the dream, at least one half, which is this finding the higher mission, the why, etc. We all have heard about that. Um, you know, why you're around beyond making money. We also talk about a second factor that people are more puzzled by. And I wonder you as this brilliant marketing mind who actually worked on many of the brands we talk about in the book, including Airbnb and Nike, how you react to this. And we say there is the dream, we call it the mission, and then there is the myth, the myth of the brand that you need to find, create, use as a meta story to guide everything you do, okay? So I'll give you an easy example. You know, the, 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 the myth of Red Bull is literally, and that's why it's an easy example, to give you wings, to give you these superhuman powers, to allow you to overcome those fears and just, you know, do it. Um, sounds a lot like Nike. What's your reaction to myth? And if you believe, yes, myth plays a role here and myth goes beyond the storytelling that you're talking about. What are some of the myths that you've been working with? How do you work in that area of myth? Yeah, I, 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 it, myth is exactly what I, I kind of consider your reason for being. And, and, I, and it's exactly what I mentioned is, let's take Airbnb, for example. Airbnb uh, was a utility. It was simply a place where I could go and find an affordable place to stay, right? Like most people don't forget or don't realize that it started as an affordable affordability play, right? It was cheaper than a hotel, but, but but cheap doesn't sell, right? Like we we know that cheap is a is a, a downward spiral, and if you like, if you sell on, hey, this is a cheap place to stay. Cheap comes with, you know, is it safe? What's the quality like? And and there's it's loads of things that probably would have crushed that brand if they'd gone with cheap. Instead, what they did was actually, from a creative point of view, elevate themselves. So everything was beautiful, and, and Brian Chesky and, and the team did an amazing job creatively elevating the brand. But what, you know, when Jonathan Mildenhall came and, and what they did um, back in the day, I think I think it was Chaya Day, I, I'm not quite sure. They they gave people a reason for being. Now, they gave people their reason for being, which was to live like a local, right? All of a sudden... It didn't feel like I was using Airbnb to find a cheap place to stay, but it was actually Airbnb was a way for me to live like a local. And now that sounded sexy. That sounded cool. That sounded like, yeah, I'm, that's the type of person I am. I'm an adventurous person, right? I am willing to live in a stranger's house. And yes, I might get killed, but that, that's the kind of person that I am. And, 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 and I want to point out, because people, I think, mix this up. 
And that is a lot a myth more than a mission because everyone has their own idea of what it means to belong and live like a local and be part of the community. And it is a myth, just like Disneyland or that authentic Tuckeria or whatever, you know, Boccaria or whatever it might be, uh, you know, Planet Hollywood restaurant is a myth because it is somebody's expression of a dream of what it should be like to be an authentic whatever. Do you agree with that? Totally agree. Um, Well, there has to be some, there has to be some truth in it, JP. I I think like, sure. Like, yes, actually, when you, when you do travel with Airbnb, you kind of do live like a local. And and yes, of course, there's, you know, many rented apartments in, in tourist destinations in the world, but like there is enough, there to suggest that actually when you do go and you get to spend time with a host you do live like a local so i think there has to be some truth there i i I think that my my pushback on myth kind of makes me feel like it's a bit make-believe um but and so there but it is well there has to be but at the same time it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that there's no truth to it but it is you're making it your truth if you want okay if you go to an aesop uh you know store uh, it creates this truth of this philosophical approach to beauty versus the glamour approach to beauty. It is a way of seeing the world. It's kind of creating your world, which mixes truths with desires and dreams about truth, an idealized world, right? Yeah, and it, 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 obviously it has to be aspirational inspiration. So going back to that brand research study, when they when they did it again... They realized, you know, five years later, and this is about two years ago, that the number one reason people love brands is because they inspire them. Um, And utility had actually dropped by 50% in that survey. And so you're absolutely right. Like we we all look for escapes. I mean, it's why we watch Disney movies. It's why we watch TV. It's why we, 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 you know, scour through travel magazines and follow Instagram influencers who seem to have better lives than us. Like we all, it goes back to that we aspire to be better, right? But so... It is something that I actually, you know, I, I would love to tell you that I know what the answer is at, at GoFundMe. Uh, I do think that there is something inherently beautiful about um, giving, right? Like it is a, a feeling that you get when you help someone out that is like a drug. Um, it's kind of the reverse of getting a like. It's giving a like. There's a reason we give likes to, to post photos is that we know that that will feel good for someone and we therefore feel good about ourselves. It's actually very selfish, selfish, surprisingly, because I guess the, the dopamine or the, the excitement, you know, is a lot on the giver's side. A- a- absolutely. And well, it's two things. It's, it's, it's first of all, I don't want to feel helpless uh, because I'm sitting here on the TV and I'm watching something terrible happen and I'm feeling privileged that I'm sitting in this house. So maybe a bit of guilt even. Uh, but like I, I know I want to help. Then there is this this the side of like actually if I do give, I'm not getting off my sofa, but I'm I'm helping people. And and I think, right. but that that goes right. down to JP. That's that's inherently who we are as humans. Like it is natural for us to want to help someone else. Right. And so, yeah. it, which actually nicely transitions to that second phase, which we call the doing. And the doing is all about the manifestation, the actions, and it goes beyond just the product, which obviously is very important. It goes into who are you as an organization? How do you bring this dream to life that you're all about? What kind of probes can we send in to authenticate and verify that you're truly putting not only your words, but your money and your action and your commitment to where your mouth is? 
Tell us about, that seems to be an appealing part or increasingly to you as well. Can you tell us where the doing is on these different brands that you worked on? Yeah, um, and interesting enough, people don't realize that the doing is a, a pretty new thing. Um, and I, I'll, 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 I'll share this just for the sake of sharing it. But I remember when I started at some of these companies and was talking about where brand was going, I had to kind of give a little bit of a backstory, which was, you know, really honestly, not that long ago, uh, in the uh, any anywhere claiming probably up to the the nineties, right? It was very easy for a brand to go, okay, what is our brand? Our brand is is differentiated from everyone else. So they would do one of those like those those charts. They would go, all right, this is the white space. I mean, JP, you probably did a lot of this back in your day, but like, hey, here's the white space. There is not a eco like people want to be environmentally friendly. They want, they're living in smaller apartments. So there isn't a eco-friendly, environmentally friendly, small packaged uh, washing up cleaning, what are like washing machine cleaning uh, detergent. So let's go. The build. marketing speak is positioning. Yes, positioning. There you go. And, and, and you would go, right, let's now tell everyone that this is environmentally friendly. And people, you, you would make an ad and it would be green and there would be a voiceover and you, you would see some sort of windmills and trees and then you would tell everyone that this was green and we would all believe you. What happened... And Musa would, would guess it in the first second of the ad. Yeah, I would know exactly what brand it is. And <laughs> what, what happened was the iPhone came along and the internet came along and, and realized that people couldn't bullshit anymore. Like, you know, Audi doing a Super Bowl ad talking about the importance of gender equality. It took three seconds. Like, literally, it took three seconds for someone to Google Audi glass door and see what their stance was or look at their board. And and I think that's what's changed is that like cameras can behind can go into the factories now. They can go behind the doors. They know the the person in 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 Indonesia who's working the factory can tell you what the conditions are like working at, at you know a factory there and is a company living up to it. And so that information has meant that brands can't just say how good they are. They actually have to show it. And I think that you know coming back to GoFundMe is that we have, if anything, I've got the easier job here in that I have a product that actually delivers against action, right? Like it is the first place, you know, coming out of what we just witnessed is like a horrible two weeks of a rise in, in, in violence towards the Asian community, what happened in Atlanta, what happened in Boulder. I have witnessed, JP, Matt, the, the, the platform light up the second these incidents happen because it is a place of action, right? Like it is a place where I can go and ask for help. And it is a place where people who are sitting back at home can come and help others. And, you know, if you were to ask me and you haven't asked me where my faith in humanity lies right now is I've never felt more optimistic about human beings than I have in this last last couple of months, despite the tragedies. Um, are you an open platform? I.e., of course, you have a certain leaning and beliefs and you think that this fundraising is great. I'm sure there's people who raise funds for things you might fundamentally disagree with or even think it's wrong. Is there a curation going on by GoFundMe? Does it have a certain in the doing? Yeah. Does it have censorship or how, how do you approach that? It, it does have censorship. And I, and I think that this is a a really important company is that people have to be accountable for the technology they're putting out in the world. It is, it's that there are companies out there that we are very familiar with that go, all right, this is just our platform. What happens on it is not our responsibility. 
Um, we as a platform need to take responsibility for what happens on our platform. And so we do have incredible teams. Uh, we have incredible technology that is constantly monitoring issues and things that are coming onto the platform to take them off. So for example, we made it very clear that we were not going to allow fundraisers for people who were coming onto the platform, who were raising money to travel to Washington uh, during what happened, I think on, on January the 6th, like uh, for, for the, the, the raid against the Capitol. Like there, there are very clear incidences where there are people who are very ill-intentioned raising things uh for for money that isn't good and, and and therefore we've got to step in right we we condemn hate we condemn violence we condemn racism how do you actually do that because you didn't know before it happened that this was gonna be um uh, an aggressive uh, uh uh an assault on the capital no, nobody knew that yeah there, there were discussions around you know, taking things into your own hands, etc. But nobody knows that. How 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 do you make those decisions? It honestly, JP. It well, I, first of all, I, I wasn't there when this happened. I joined I joined a couple of days later, yeah. so I, I'm I'm sharing the story with hearsay. But the the truth of the matter is, is like so social media is a very telling place, and it's it's pretty remarkable how very early up front you can get a lot of information. And we have amazing trust and safety teams who are constantly monitoring situations they've been doing this for 10 years now they know when people raise fundraisers they've they've learned a lot and, and listen we're constantly learning and we'll continue to learn but you know jp here's the thing it gofundme is built up of you know 400 people it's not a very big organization despite its awareness and de despite the number of people that use it around the world um but it's it's they're all really good people. Uh, they 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 have good intentions. They come to work because this platform does good. And so the moment, you know, internally we feel like you know something isn't right, uh, the team act on it, and that's that's really important. The daring is a little bit more complex of a concept. It's about basically finding what we call your Uber target. So these are not the potential buyers. These are the people who are. On the one hand, amused for the brand that kind of live the ideal life or have the ideal beliefs of the brand and reflect the brand that way, at the same time can be activated to become these disciple and, uh, and ambassadors, etc. They might be celebrities, but in many cases, hopefully they're not. The easiest way for me to describe it is, you know, the Uber target of Harley Davidson is kind of the hell's angel, you know, bearded smoking guy with tons of tattoos and black leather roaming the country all year round whereas the potential buyer is that midlife crisis dentist you know from new york who goes on weekend rides with a wash-off tattoo and you create tension because on the one hand that harley owner is part of the harley ownership uh, group the hogs mm -hmm. and feels part of it and that's this inclusivity we all look for but at the same time there remains a tension to the ideal of you're not quite the rebel and you know it, right? It happens that you mentioned Burning Man earlier where many buy a ticket in, but they're not really those super creative people. They just had the money to buy the ticket and they had other creative people to dress them up. Where are the Uber targets in your brands and the Nikes and the GoFundMes? Where are the crazies that inspire you and at the same time are your ambassadors mm -hmm. or at Airbnb? At, at Nike... Um... Nike probably does this the best. I, I advise a couple of clients and I, I, I use this example the most when it comes to thinking about 
you know, who your target audience is, right? The, the, the hardest thing about being prescriptive about a target audience is that you need to be as specific as possible, but you also need to get everyone in your organization to understand what a target audience is. So the biggest challenge I have is that when I describe a target audience to an organization, they go, yeah, but you know, other people buy our shoes. It's not just that person. And, 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 exactly. and that, that is like, yes, that is very true, but they buy it because they aspire to it. And I think that the perfect example is Nike. They, they target the 17 year old athlete. Um, Nike target 17-year-old athlete. And, and as you know, listen, I'm not a 17-year-old athlete. I still buy Nikes, right? So it doesn't mean that they're not speaking to me. The, the truth of the matter is, is that what they identified with the 17-year-old athlete is two things. One is that 17-year-olds are normally at the peak of technology, communication, culture, right? Like 17s are using the language today that I will probably be using in 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 10 years time by the time it gets to me right I'm I'm only re recently realizing that I can't use the emoji uh that is laughing but now I've got to use a skull because that means dead and that means they're cool but apparently I've, even that's passed now so I'm, I'm still trying to catch up but the 17 year old athlete is what keeps Nike really young it keeps them at heart it keeps them unsure of what's going on and guess what? The very truth of the matter is... And, and that dream is even more precise, right? It's the 17-year-old, inner city, somewhat challenged, but athletically brilliant, and we could go on, right? It's a, similar to the Hell's Angel. It's a much more precise idea. Yeah, right? I mean, this, well, the 17-year-old athlete is, is, a, is, a, is, is playing for his sports team, right? He's not just someone who likes soccer or likes football, but, like, he is playing on a weekly basis. Like, he is... You know, he is a kid that people follow and and respect, right? And so, it, it, what they do every year is they spend time with seventeen year old athletes, and they they don't follow that seventeen year old athlete. The next year, they'll move on to another group of seventeen year old athletes, and they do a lot of research and try and understand what motivates them. And I, I think that is it is such a clear, concise way of thinking about things. And I think that's the example that I I like to share the most, JP, when it comes to thinking about um, uh, who your target audiences is who's willing to dare and push the boundaries um of course you know the other way of thinking about it is early adopters i guess people who want to embrace your platform who are pushing your platform and pushing the boundaries of a platform um airbnb there was a incredible host her name was shell and in, in 2012 when the um the the sandy storms were happening in new york she decided that you know she wanted to open up her platform, open up her home for free to people who had either houses had been flooded, had no electricity. And she goes onto Airbnb's platform, tries to list her house for free, and it doesn't allow it to, because they thought, you know, no one wants to list their house for free. Who wants that? It didn't allow her. So she wrote a letter to Airbnb and said, listen, like there's tragedy happening in the world. I want to open up my house. And Airbnb very quickly put a team together that then enabled her to do that and they introduced the open homes platform which has now housed thousands and thousands of people who've been in need and i think that like it's a combination jp of yes knowing who your target audience is right being as prescriptive as as nike but also like keeping your ears and eyes open for those Absolutely. those people who are pushing Absolutely. your platform in new and interesting directions and and you've worked for many brands that are clearly your favorites doing something with everyone where we want to hear about, uh, you know, just one of your favorite brands and why, what yeah. is it that jumps out? One you have not worked for directly is the key. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 this is one of my favorite questions and it changes all the time. And I, and I hope it always continues to change because I think brands reflect the best brands in the world reflect kind of the mood of the nation or the mood of, of the world at that moment in time. And, and some live the test of time and, and some don't. Um, I, this is a crazy one and it's not because I love it because it, it resonates is, it's just because I love its approach and, uh, it's called liquid death. Uh, Liquid Death is a brand, um, US-based brand, that is a water company. And what they did was they they looked at the, the water space and they said everything that you when you can walk into a shop, right? It's a blue bottle. There's a there's a, a stream. There's a river. Like water is very um, pure and healthy. And what they did was come along and say, actually, you know what? Like we're going to take the Red Bull model or the Monster model and apply it to, to water. We're going to have a bit of a personality. We're going to stand for something which is death to plastic. Like it's, it's kind of in a weird way revolting. There's a skull on the front of the can, but they came along and they said, you know what? Like while the whole world zigs, we're going to zag. And it's been amazing to watch this brand start from something that is so small to now it's, it's in every single Seven Eleven across the USA. Uh, it is selling better than any other water in those spaces because they came along and said, you know what, we're going to appeal to a different audience. And I think that I am, what, what I find so refreshing about this brand is that D2C brands and the blandscaping, I can't take credit for that word, but the blandscaping of like, brands where everything looks the same i i think that i think that that is it it's 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 gonna die those those days are, are done now and people the pendulum swinging back to individuality i think people are going to start looking for ways of you know reflecting who they are as an individual versus us all looking the same like we've done for the last like five ten years and and i think it's brands that are going to come out and say i'm okay with offending some people because I'm going to stand for this. And I think the the, the biggest issue that I, I have with founders that are launching products is from day one, they want to please everyone. You know, it goes back to JP, the point that we had, like, who's your customer? Everyone can buy this product. That's great. But like you appeal to everyone, then you mean nothing to anyone. And so go go take a stand. And I think Liquid Death is a perfect example of a brand that I encourage you to do some research on that just takes a stand. And like whether or not you believe in it or whether it aligns with your stand is a different thing altogether. But from a, a pure marketing and appreciation for brands, it is one that just says, you know what, I'm going to stand for something and I'm not going to be apologetic about it. And that's okay. And I love to, when I look at marketing, look at commodities like water and salt and fire and earth because that's where the true artistry needs to come to life to really make a difference, right? And when you say whether it inspires you, it's actually what, what, what people might perceive as the creation of a terrible vacuum, right? Your mother passed away or what's going to happen after you, yourself. Yeah. And you take that as inspiration and, uh, uh, and, 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 and motivation to create something that is bigger than you or bigger than the company or bigger than the brand at the end of the day. Do I interpret that right? Or do I put words in your mouth no, here? That, thousand percent. Thousand percent. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, I guess it's why religion is so important to some people and so on. It's always, if you can tap into what's bigger than yourself, then uh, I don't know. I think you live a very happy and blissful life. So thank you. We can't end better. Branding and religion. Let's just stop now. <laughs> <There you go. laughs>
<laughs> a whole nother brand topic. Yes, indeed. Um, great, Musa. It was a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, we look forward to you know staying in touch and hearing more about you know from you and about you as you continue to build your role at GoFundMe and best wishes on you know building it into just as strong a brand as all the yeah. others Matt JP thank you very much for having me that was awesome please subscribe to bright ideas on your favorite podcast service we'd like to thank once again our sponsors lexicon branding and Kogan page for more information about the bright ideas podcast and Columbia Business School Brand Center please visit brightideas.co Thank you.